Hi, uh, my name is Marcus Walker, and I am quite curious to play D&D today. This is Chat Dragon, a talk show and actual play podcast about sci-fi, fantasy, and the world's most beloved game of make-believe, Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Jared, and I'm your host. I am a newspaper reporter by day and a dungeon master by night. I decided to start this podcast for purely selfish reasons, and that is to have a reason to talk to interesting people about interesting topics all through the lens of D&D. Each episode, I talk to friends, family members, and tabletop role-playing creatives about this beloved hobby. The conversations are driven by dice, and the games driven by our imaginations. everyone, this is Jared from the Chat Dragon Podcast. We're back again, and this week I have a really special guest. It's my good friend Marcus Walker from the Haven't Seen It Pod. Marcus, how are you today? I'm doing really well, man. Yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So Marcus and I, uh, we go pretty far back. I would say we've probably known each other for 20 plus years at this point. Would you agree with that? I mean, when you put it like that, yeah, I, I think so. I think it might even be a year or two uh, longer than that. We're really getting long in the tooth, Jared. Yeah. So Marcus and I, we grew up in the same neighborhood. I used to play street hockey and basketball, probably over at his house back in the day. Uh, we did a band tour back in middle school. He went to the middle, same middle school as me for a little bit. Um, so this is kind of fun to have you on since we've known each other for so long. So totally. So for the, so for the listener, uh, this is kind of special for Marcus cause Marcus has never played a D and D style role-playing game before. Have you, or maybe I'm wrong. Have you? I have not. Um, Dungeons and Dragons is something that I was tangentially aware of um in my youth and adolescence i certainly knew people who were deep into that world and i knew people who very much nerded out about dungeons and dragons but i would say the closest i ever got to the kind of fantasy elements of of an of an rpg um was playing Magic the Gathering, which I know is not the same thing, but it's still... Those cards were located in the same stores that D&D stuff was located in. You know, same thing with, like, Warhammer and and other tabletop games. So that that was kind of as far as I dipped my toes into this world. Um, But, you know, I opened up top by saying I'm curious to play because... You know, I pride myself on being uh, a relatively imaginative thinker, and I have a podcast where I talk a lot of trash every week, you know, a lot of stuff off the top of my head, and uh, I'm interested to uh, plumb the depths of, of my ignorance here and to see, you know, like, what what this is all about so marcus how how long have you been out of the magic the gathering game for has it been a while do you keep up with it at all i do not i i certainly still notice um like 
booster packs for sale everywhere still. So I, I assume that the game is still flourishing. And I, I also know, know a few people who are um, quite heavily into, you know, the world of building decks and um, like maintaining collections and all that. But me personally, I've, I've fallen out of that world god for probably probably at least probably 15 20 years now so i'm not a big magic the gathering fan i've played it um but something our my last guest and i talked about was kind of what's been going on with the game because currently there's been a lot of crossover between D D and magic the gathering there's been magic the gathering inspired books uh, that have made crossed over to D the game of D and D in terms of like rules and settings, and then currently the new deck of cards, the new set of cards or whatever are all D and D inspired. So oh wow! That's why I asked. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I started to notice with like when my friends have shown me some of the newer cards is that there's all of these like new abilities that I was just unfamiliar with. Like, and so just looking at what a magic card is now versus what it was when the game came out and whatever, whatever it was, you know, 92, 93, where th- there were like three or four different possible things you could do with a card um, was fascinating because now it's I, I could just be, you know, giving <laughs> anecdotal evidence here but i you know looking at a a modern card now is like it's like reading two paragraphs (laughs) so um but you know nothing against it had had a lot of fun playing it uh and had a lot of fun you know being an absolute punching bag for for my my friends who were much much better at the game than i was so um were you ever a magic guy? I, I don't recall that you were, right? Um, I wanted to get into it, and you were getting out of it, so you had given me, like, hundreds and hundreds of cards. to like, And then I had um, tried to play it a few times with people, and I really didn't like it. I don't know if I didn't like it. I just... Um, yeah, I probably didn't like it very much. I, I didn't really like the idea of, like, constantly having to shop for cards and always staying you know like cards go in and out of like use like you can't use certain cards after a certain period of time and i guess it, that kind of wasn't something i liked i didn't like the disposability of the, the the contents or whatever and then you decided to get back into magic and you're like hey can i have my cards back and i was like sure you can have all these <laughs> cards back so i i give them all back to you i this is just another uh piece of evidence that I my, my mind is decaying as I get older because I do not remember this at all that's um that's quite funny and also a little bit embarrassing <laughs> there I mean I I like I mean I play games besides D&D like I play board games and the game designer for Magic the Gathering I think his name is Richard Garfield but I could be wrong that sounds he that sounds with, right yeah he came. He came out with a game. I think it was three years ago that I liked a little bit more than Magic, and it was it was called Keyforge, and it was supposed to be kind of 
the answer to all the things I don't like about Magic, about sort of the constant updating and like, you know, booster packs to drive the machine of the economics. Whereas you basically, they don't sell booster packs, they only sell cards. And each deck is supposedly completely unique. They have like a an algorithm in a the printing machine that prints off unique cards. So every deck is completely unique and you will never need more than one deck unless you really want to. I mean, they come out with new new decks that are based off of a different algorithm. But um, I played it once or twice in a tournament and I really enjoyed it a little bit more than Magic just because I liked the idea of um, just having to make that one-time purchase and not have to be constantly buying boosters or whatever so yeah that's fair i mean i i I remember from my my collecting days i barely ever bought boosters because you'll you'll go broke really fast doing that at least as a you know broke kid with no job that, that i was you know when i was actively playing i just remember like frequenting comic book shops and kind of finding like bargain bin stuff and then building decks just based on like whatever i had which was often a true smorgasbord of of nonsense that you know would would end up being just sort of you know pick pick your own adventure kind of thing so but i i that is an interesting idea of you know a game where it's it's a little bit more static and a, a, a little bit more of a one-off. Yeah. And I'm sure people who are diehard Magic fans, like that static nature of it is probably the exact reason why they wouldn't play it. You know what I mean? They probably want, they like, they probably like the fact that the game evolves constantly. And I see that appeal. I just, I just, don't want to spend the money i guess is what it really came down comes down to fair fair so. fair and i've probably alienated like 40 percent of the people that would ever listen to this podcast by talking trash about magic well, so. th- this is actually this this very thing is is also why i'm curious to play this because i what you just said I'm sure I've already said three things that are deeply wrong and deeply offensive to people who are into this uh, in a very serious and somber way. And I'd just like to say, you know, to to any of the people who have have heard my voice and have heard my ignorance uh, so far on this podcast, I I know, like, you're, you're in the right here, okay? I'm wrong. I, I concede everything that you have said, and uh, I'm just I'm here to have a good time. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm sure people who listen or will listen or might listen to this podcast will probably also want to tune out because the way I play D and D or the way I consider D what I consider D and D is not probably pure enough for some people in the world of role-playing games you know there's this thing called homebrew where you just sort of there you have the rules and then you kind of since it's a game of make-believe that is structured through rules people will change the rules or adjust them to the way it best suits them and the way i like to play at least on the show is kind of a mishmash of more than just D. but so calling it purely a D podcast probably would offend some people but 
it's the brand that most people know. So I'm going to take advantage of that branding. So got it. So before we get started, though, uh, Marcus, I mentioned and you've mentioned you have a podcast. It's called the haven't I haven't or haven't seen it pod. Correct. Yep. It's not I haven't seen it. It's haven't seen it. Um, and I was a guest on it once. And so I was just, and I thought it was a lot of fun. And I, you know, I, I try to catch your episodes as much as I can, but now that I work from home, I don't, I'm not in a car, so I don't have as much, uh, driving time to listen to things, but could you tell the listeners a little bit about it before we uh, get started? So they kind of know your background in podcasting and what it is you guys do over there. Yeah, sure. Just to back up though. The episode you did, you came on for was was a blast. We did this um, this kind of semi insane documentary that you picked and uh, for us, which was cool. Um, and we are a movie podcast. Um, we the premise of the Haven't Seen It podcast is that uh, myself and my co-host the inimitable matt d uh pick movies for one another every week uh that the other person has not seen uh throughout the week we watch the movie and at some point when we've both seen it we convene and we record and we have a lot of fun with it uh and you can find it in a couple of different ways um you can find us on Spotify if you just type in "haven't seen it" into the search bar there, um, and then the, the mothership that we kind of our, our, our host is uh, "haven't seen it pod.podbean.com. and we're also on Twitter if you want to get us there and tell us um, how deeply wrong we are about everything, which we welcome uh, at HSI Pod. So. Um, I have an absolute blast doing it, uh, and we've been doing it for um, over a year now, and looking forward to to continuing. So, was this like a COVID nineteen pod? You know, it seems like everybody started podcasts once COVID nineteen hit. So, I'm wondering if yours or started after it hit, or was it pre COVID? Um, this is news to me. Uh, I, I was under the impression, Jared, that um, Matt and I were the first two people to ever have the idea to record conversations about movies. Uh, you're telling me that there are there are other podcasts out there besides this one and besides ours? That's, wow. Um, no, you are 100% on the money. Uh, it was absolutely a... It, it, it kind of kind of like a um, a positive symptom of co- of like the beginning of quarantine um, where you know Matt and I have flapped our gums about movies since we've known each other that was probably our first point of contact was you know like this guy loves movies and I I I, I enjoy you know conversing with him about them and at a certain point it was a little bit before covid that we started recording um but at a certain point i just asked him like why don't we try recording these things and see if anyone wants to hear them um but once once lockdown started it was 
it was definitely a godsend to have a scheduled conversation with another human being every week. Um, that was something that I, I, you know, found, found incredibly valuable and, and I continue to do so. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely like, I, I can't say that, you know, lockdown was 100% responsible for the, the, the inception of the recordings and of the podcast, but it was definitely um, a happy side effect of that. Awesome. That's, that's great. I, I probably started this because of lockdown. Not, I guess we're not really in lockdown anymore, but it was, uh, I feel like being a consumer of podcasts, it just felt like it was time to do this everybody around me was having fun doing it so felt like it was time that i did did one myself i i love to hear it i love to hear it and i got <laughs> i got sick of hearing other people talk about theirs too so i'm like let's let's give it a shot let's 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 throw crap at the wall and see if we can paint a bullseye around it afterwards yeah no insult to other D D style podcasts but I just wanted to make the podcast I wanted to listen to. A lot of them are people playing the game and they play it for four hours. And that's an audiobook in my world, in my <laughs> view, a short audiobook. It's a short audiobook, but it's it's an audiobook. So one episode that's four hours, I'm never going to finish. And uh, no matter how popular it is in the wider world of D&D. So I wanted to make something that was a little bit more consumable. Sure. You know? Yeah. Something I, I could potentially listen to in a car ride or two not something i had to devote a week to listening to so yeah yeah so marcus um just for you for you and i mean i guess for the listener who maybe isn't super familiar with D, but um probably is D D is kind of like a game of make-believe you know you can make you can make stuff up you know we're making stuff up and we use rules as sort of a framework um, I act as the dungeon master, so I will be playing kind of all the uh, I'll be playing all the roles that you're not playing. You yourself are gonna be playing as the character Marigold Thundercrack. Um, Marigold is kind of our he's he is the protagonist of the show's campaign in the sense, but his job title is basically sidekick slash bodyguard for someone named Todd the Heroic, who I've explained in other episodes as being sort of an Instagram influencer in a fantasy world. He's kind of vapid and vain. He's not totally stupid. I mean, when it comes to marketing, he's, you know, he's very good at marketing, but he's trying to sell himself as a hero, although he lacks the given skill. He lacks skill to be a hero, so that's why you've been hired. So he takes a lot of the credit for your exploits, basically. Um, and so kind of what's been happening with this character is they've, They've been kind of stuck in this town, and in a moment I'm going to be playing a sort of a recap of the last episode um, to kind of go over what's happened and what's coming up, essentially, for you. Um, and things to know about the character, just um, or about the game, the sidekick, is I call it like D&D telephone. So anything you do today, any decisions you make, bad or good, will carry over into the next session with the next guest, which is a little unique compared to other shows because usually it's just the same person playing the same character over and over again. Mm -hmm. So 
a lot of his personality quirks that have been established in all the various episodes have been established by guests. So the only thing I've really established about Marigold is that he works for Todd. He um, comes from a family of artists and has a, a name. He's a little uncomfortable. His name is funny and it kind of bothers him a little bit. But my cousin, uh, Jeff, who was my second guest, established that he's a failed improv comedian, which I think you might get a kick out of since... If I remember correctly, you were really into Whose Line Is It Anyways back when we were in middle school, high school. So um, he's a failed so he's a failed improv comedian. He's turned to basically doing this sort of bodyguard adventuring sort of work as a as a fallback, if that makes any sense. Wow. Okay. So but if you can think of any kind of if you whatever you come up with though, if you decide he's you know, also likes to wear mismatched socks. I don't know, not really that funny, but say that's like a thing of his. He wears mismatched socks and wears boxers instead of briefs. That's that's canon going forward for the next person, and they have to deal with those consequences. Understood. That's great. So I'm going to just play our pre-recorded recap because I used to read these, and this is a first on the show. I'm trying this out pre-recording them so i don't have as many ums and ahs and stutters trying to read this big long piece of text so here we go previously on the sidekick after setting fire to the black eye tavern and escaping prison marigold thundercrack and his employer todd the heroic are now fugitives on the run from the cutlass hollow law enforcement Marigold, disguised wearing a stolen guard's uniform, masquerades about town, gathering information, and providing lookout as the now penniless Todd sends word to Dagan, the family accountant and manager of his trust fund, to send money. Meanwhile, Marigold learns from his interactions disguised as a town guard that the city of Cutlass Hollow is only days away from the annual Pirates Conference that is hosted there. As the vengeful pirate captain Jason St. Josephine's crew roam the streets, one manages to spot Todd coming out of the Cutlass Hollow post office and gives chase. Marigold, along with members of the town guard, manage to stop the pursuit and wind up doing battle with the pirate. Afterwards, Marigold, still pretending to be a guard, takes Todd into his custody, promising to send him back to prison. Afterward, Marigold convinces Todd to sell off some of his expensive jewelry in order to rent lodging in Cutlass Hollow's low-income housing district, Peninsula Estates. The two wait for Dagan to send an emissary with Todd's money and supplies. Now, the two men have continued to keep a residence in the Peninsula Estates, not leaving the rented property much in the last two weeks. Marigold, much to Todd's chagrin, has managed to convince his employer to pawn off additional pieces of jewelry to pay for the silence and the services of several of the local residents that live in the area. But after receiving word back from Diggin, the two venture out of their hideout to meet up with one of his emissaries at a nearby park to receive the money and supplies. So, did you... Get all that. Is there anything you need clarification on before we move forward? I think this is going to be one of those things where the clarification is probably going to need to happen in real time. Um, But the basic beats, uh, I think my answer is no. So Great. Sounds good. So um, we're playing over Discord for the listener and... Marcus, on your left-hand side, there's something that says links for new guests under the text channels. If you click that and you click, you scroll down, you'll see these two creatures. Uh, they're called owl bears. They look to be playing Dungeons and Dragons. If you could click that link that is 
called it's to our virtual tabletop called owl bear rodeo can i have you do that now sure are you in it appears to be locked and loaded okay so um we are staring at this woodland scene uh your character is marigold you're with todd and armando and you were supposed to be meeting up with someone who is going to be giving todd some money todd had lost all his money when he was in prison or it was more of a glorified house arrest. He had rented a spa, but they had rented a spa out for him to be arrested, uh, spend the night in. But so you're meeting up with this person to get some money. So Marcus, as before we start the game, um, I use a few different rules that are not D&D type rules. And the main one that I use is something called, is from a, a game called Fade RPG where we basically establish the aspects of the scene together. So for the listener, could you describe to me kind of what you're seeing right now in terms of what the scene looks like? Can you help paint us a picture? Yeah, I'm seeing, as you said, the characters of Todd, Marigold, and Armando. I'm seeing um, five other individuals kind of scattered throughout the, as you described, woodland landscape it sort of seems to be um, on various various levels of ground like this is not a flat landscape there appear to be uh, little little, um, crevices and little nooks and crannies um, and and the, the woodland is what I'm seeing is just leaves and trees everywhere, um, and a couple of logs. I'm seeing a hole where perhaps some woodland creature dwells, um, and that's pretty much it. Okay, so what I'm doing right now is I'm putting up these sticky notes. These are considered these are the scene aspects. We're kind of establishing these together. Um, it gives you a sense of, you've just sort of given us several aspects about what this scene looks like, but some of these things can be used to your advantage. So if you can think of creative ways to say, use a log in some sort of situation, then it will give you a boost to uh, whatever you're doing. So you've said there's logs, you've said there's leaves on the ground, um, you said there's a hole that a woodland creature dwells in it. What kind of creature do you think dwells in there, would you say? Um, At the risk of exposing my ignorance of woodland animal lore, I'm thinking it is some kind of nocturnal animal. Maybe it's like like a pack of maybe medieval raccoons. If, if that's a thing, um, I, I'm I'm definitely imagining something along those lines. Like like there are multiple creatures in this hole. Okay, so the logs are these dry logs or are these soaked? Are these logs kind of soaked um, from maybe a previous night's rain? I guess I guess how would you describe the conditions of the the wood and the surrounding grassy area. The hue of the grassy area to me 
looks pretty dry and crackly, so I'm gonna say that the logs are pretty bone dry and to the point that they they might actually be sharp and uncomfortable to the touch. Okay. So would you say is the grass would you say the grass is dry too? Or do you think it's uh I mean, based on the the picture is green, but in your in your imagination, do you see this being a grassy, green, lush place, or do you think there is maybe some drought going on? It does look a little bit droughty. Yeah, I would say, um, but it but it is still there, so it's not it's not exactly a desert, but it, it does the, the the hue of the leaves and of the trees. To, does suggest um, a lot of sunlight and and um, like a lack of rain in a long time. Okay, so Armando is leading you to what is basically a it's like a park, it's like a green space in the town of Cutlass Hollow um, to meet up with this contact. So you're going to receive money, and you're also kind of someone that, that's kind of. Being lo- people are looking for you, essentially. Pirates are looking for you. The town guard is looking for you, even though you are partially disguised through this stolen equipment you have. So do you think you would be receiving this money in the broad daylight, or do you think you'd be doing it at nighttime, uh, dusk? What time of day do you think this is right now? I'm thinking this is towards the end of daylight, but not nightfall. So I like... I like the idea of, of it happening at dusk when people might still conceivably be out and about, but not broad, broad daylight. Okay. Alright. I just started a music track. Um, it might be a little loud on your end, I'm not sure. Is How does it sound? Just uh, Beyond nice. startling me? At, at, at its inception, it sounds fine. Okay, <laughs> i I should have I should have started it earlier because now I didn't want to jar it. But if you need to adjust the volume, um, you can. I think it's like Control Right Click or Right Click or whatever. Understood. So. And the music will probably, for you and the listener, know, will probably get edited out just for copyright, possibly. So. All right, so it's dusk. Um, would you say is this grass long? Is it short? Is this a, is this a well maintained park, or is it kind of been kind of through some uh, some? Dis- is it kind of distraught? You know, plighted, maybe not take well taken. Yeah, care. it's it's as I said, it it was maybe once well maintained, but has fallen into a state of of relative disrepair. Um, yeah. Okay. And there are some trees and some bushes um, here. What, do you think, are any of these trees flowering trees or flowering bushes? Or are there, is there fruit growing? Is there nuts falling off of it? What, what kind of trees do you think we have in here? No. Uh, there doesn't appear to be anything growing on these trees beyond just your standard leaves. 
leaves. So I would say maybe there's one or two that sprout pine needles. I'm seeing one or two that's a little bit darker than the others. Um, but that said, the trees do look a little bit more healthy than the surrounding areas. So these are full trees, fully leaved trees still. So I don't know if that makes a difference or not, but. Okay, so not fall. Right. All right, I think that's probably uh, a good start to the setting um, as we go along. Aspects might, can, we can maybe think of more aspects. Some aspects might be created, some might be destroyed based on kind of what takes place during our gameplay. Um, Marcus, since I know you probably don't have a set of your own dice, uh, I'll just give you a short tutorial on how this Owlbear Rodeo dice rolling works. So in your, on your screen, do you see a square with, within inside of another square? It should be on the left-hand side. Yes. All right, so that will op- if you click that, it will open up a dice tray, and it'll have the different dices, 20, 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, and a D100. Got it. Do you see that? So if you, for whatever reason, need to roll any of those dice at any time during the game, you'll just click one of those. All right. And... I can't see your screen, so you'll have to read it off to me. That's that's the one thing about this. And if you want to get real fancy, you can even choose the type of dice you use if you care about that sort so of thing. So you're saying I need to re- so. I need to report to you what I rolled. Yep, we're operating on the honor system today. I can't see your gotcha. screen. Uh, I- okay, so you've come to this... Uh, this park with Armando. Uh, Armando, you, Todd was, he received word from one of Dagon's emissaries, somebody that works for Dagon, that they'd be coming with his money. And Dagon, as we said previously, is the kind of the accountant, family accountant, and he also manages Todd's trust fund. So Armando has led you to this park, but Todd, he's kind of a rich, snobby kind of person. He Anybody who doesn't really have access to money, like have any sort of financial access to the money he receives, he doesn't really pay a ton of attention to typically. So he's not really sure who the contact is. He doesn't recognize any of these people. And Todd being Todd doesn't even really know your own name. He calls you, you know, sidekick, bodyguard, grunt, you know, adventurer, whatever, what have you. He doesn't really bother to know the names of the help so much so so as marigold um you're kind of in this position to protect todd and you also have to maybe at this point figure out who if any are these people if any of them might be the the um person with the money so i guess um to start uh marcus how do you want to i guess I guess, what do you want to do? Okay, real quick, Jared, not to stop, but I got to figure out how to turn this music down. That's fair. Um, Go ahead and... I'm I'm struggling to hear you over it. Um, So so right-hand side, there's a thing that says GroovyBot. I don't know what it is on a Windows, but on a Mac, it's just Control and right-click, and then you can see User Volume. 
and you can change the user volume. And this is on the owl bear thing you've got open, right? Nope, it's on Discord. Oh, Discord. All right. So let's see. You said control right click. Yep. Okay, and I should be looking for Groovy Bot. Yeah, he would be in the server. User with us. volume. It'd, Here it'd we be go. Light. Yep. So you can turn that person, turn it down as much as you want. All right. That's so much better. Okay. So. Yep. I just try to use the music to set the mood a little sure. bit. Sure. In the last, well, two games ago, we used like some rip-off John Carpenter music because it was like a jail. It was like a breaking into jail thing. I see. So it seemed like it would fit with uh, that scenario. So, Okay, so um, back to the game. You are standing with these three characters and looking for... Look, you have to find out who is the person you're, you're trying to find. So how would you like to proceed? Well, I'm seeing five individuals um they have various physical and sort of um attributes and and kind of like clothing attributes um i'm tempted towards one in particular and i feel like my first inquiry should be to the dark-skinned gentleman that has the loot. I'm feeling good okay. about opening up dialogue with that guy to start with. All right, so you want to talk to this person. Uh, for the listener, He, this person is on the west side of the map. He is uh, a, a gentleman that looks to be African-American. He's playing a loot. He has... Er, well, I guess it's a fantasy setting, but he—he's a dark-skinned gentleman. He's playing a lute. He's got um, a purple beret, a purple vest on. Um, so before you head over there, do you want Todd and Armando to come with you? Do you want them to stay behind? Do you want them to duck behind a bush? I guess. Are you approaching this person by yourself? Based on the information that I've been given about Todd the Heroic. I want him nowhere near any of these interactions. Uh, however, we can we can ditch him. I, I feel like we need to because I feel like even though he might be a medieval influencer, as you put it, and even though he might understand some basic things about how to market himself, um, I feel like this is the kind of interaction that. Todd is going to screw up more times than not. So I, I guess I have less information and less of a history with Armando, so I'm kind of ambivalent about his participation. But Todd is out. Okay. So how do you see yourself having this conversation with Todd? What are some of the words you're saying to him? I, I mean, he seems like I don't want to say easily like led down a, a path of, of gullibility but I feel like 
there, there are certain keywords that Todd listens for that always perk his ears up. And in real time here, I'm trying to imagine what what I could say to Todd. I mean, you said that he does not treat quote the help particularly well. So I'm 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 I guess I'm a little bit skeptical that Todd would listen to what I have to say, even though I guess I, I do need to to come up with something. Um, maybe I could say that uh, over to his left, in one of the many bushes, uh, there lies an animal that that I've never seen before and that looks quite interesting to investigate and that might actually get some medieval eyeballs onto Todd's medieval social media pages. So maybe that's, maybe that's my move is that I tell him to go, to go investigate this, this animal that, that is, appears to be sleeping in one of the bushes while I go try to, tap this dude on the shoulder and have a conversation. Okay, so the next thing we're going to do, since this is you've never played D&D before, is we're going to do something called a skill check. So I'm going to have you... We're using simplified, a simplified character sheet. So what I'm going to have you do is see how persuasive you are. And what, what you're going to do is you're going to roll your D20. Um, so you roll that number. And then you'll look at your character sheet and you will see something that says it's your stats. It will say like CHA, I believe, plus or minus something in parentheses. So roll your D20 and you will add that number together. And we're going to be shooting for an easy roll. And so for listeners, this is, I use my target dice. Uh, I'm using from the ICRPG, which target normal is 10 and easy roll is 7, hard is 13. It stays static unless something dramatic happens. That way it just keeps it simple so we don't have to, I don't have to keep telling you new numbers to roll, to hit. So we're rolling for easy, so I just need you to roll that d20 and then add that charisma stat. Rolling now. Seventeen. So 17, so you rolled a 17, he has zero. Okay, so easy target was seven, you blew out of the water. So Todd is convinced that you, you know, you've managed to convince him, you've told him that there's this creature over there. Uh, it's a mis- mythical, it's, you've told him maybe that it's a mythical, What what's like a, like a, a funny fantasy creature that you can maybe think of that would, catches interest it's probably nothing too huge like a dragon no. but something that would be an maybe uh, we are in the woodland so maybe some sort of weird like dragon whelp slash weasel hybrid i'm just imagining something very goofy that's that's going to that's going to get todd's attention and instantly get him thinking about you know how this is going to play to to the to to the community that he influences okay 
So uh, you tell Todd about this weasel dragon whelp thingy, and Todd immediately uh, perks up. And since you know there's no cell phones or laptops in this world, he pulls out a drawing pad that you didn't even know he had, you didn't even know he could draw, and he's gonna go sketch it. Um, and hopefully he can you know save it for his records and or maybe make prints of this drawing and you know sell it uh, print by Todd or something like that of this creature so he's gonna go looking for it so um, he's gonna go scurry off into this bush over here to the north uh, east center of the map is that kind of the direction you're looking to direct them or do you think he should have gone somewhere else? Uh, I was actually thinking of the opposite direction. So, like, there's a little... What's the word I'm looking for? There's a there's a little um, incline towards the bottom left corner of the screen that could easily be climbed up, and I feel like the animal is lying in wait in, in that bush over there. So I guess... Directionally, you can't you can't tell me to tell you what direction it is. <laughs> okay, so go ahead and click the hand icon. It should be on the right hand side of your screen, and just then you can just drag Todd over to where you're thinking. Got it. Yeah, we want him. We want Todd shielded as much as possible from this interaction. So I, I'm seeing one or two. Trees in addition to the bush that are gonna maybe do a little bit of a better job of that Okay All right, so he goes over there and Marigold uh, you can now move or Marcus you can now move Marigold over to the the bard Gentleman or the the musician type fellow that you had talked about earlier. Okay, so go ahead and go ahead and move him So Marcus just moved the uh, Marigold to the northwest side of the map. Uh, Armando, kind of in childlike wonder, isn't sure which way to go. He's kind of, you know, excited by the the, the brawniness of Marigold and his adventuring sort of bravado. But the, you know, the chance of seeing some rare creature has uh, left him kind of. Has also excited his interests. So. He actually goes towards Todd um, to help him look for the creature. So, Marcus, now that you're you're next to this gentleman, um, how do you? What's your opening line to this guy? How do you begin the conversation? It's a great question. There are a few different angles you could take with with an opener like this, where the the, the idea is to you know you have a specific goal to pick up money from someone but being that these are medieval times you you don't really have any way of deducing um, who that person might be based on physical appearance Um, so am I am I correct in assuming that none of the gentlemen that I'm seeing on my screen um, have any sort of maybe local reputation that like like is that fair to say or 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 are these more uh local officials or, or are, are these like local citizens that marigold might actually um 
not recognize, but have uh, that might point him in the right direction? So I would say um, you are not actually from this town. So in the first episode, it was kind of established you guys were looking for passage. Uh, you're, it was a port town, city or whatever. You're looking for passage to an island to go have an adventure before kind of things really started to go to crap for you guys, uh, eventually leading to both of your arrests. So you wouldn't maybe know necessarily if someone has a local reputation, but we can find out if you're able to deduce that about this person. Maybe this person has a reputation outside of town. So I'm going to have you roll wisdom, but I'm going to have you roll a hard, a hard check, which would be 13. I'm sorry, you said 13? I don't I don't have one that has 13 on it. No, no, no. You have to beat 13. So you'll roll I have your to D20 beat 13. and then you'll add... I knew that. Yes. And I just needed yep. you so to confirm your... it. Okay, here we go. Yep. And then whatever you roll, add the plus whatever in the parentheses for wisdom. I have rolled an 11. All right. So you are unable to determine if this person is anybody of significance. Uh, you just aren't from this town, and this guy, as far as you know, hasn't done anything outside of town to warrant um, any sort of mention in some of the places you've traveled. He might be a local, he's probably just a local musician, just kind of strumming along on his lute or lute or guitar or whatever it is he's played. So um, that's a fail. Okay. Um, are we still lingering on the what is my opening line to this gentleman question? Yes. I, I'm getting... I'm tempted um, to tap into a little bit of a, a Shawshank vibe here. So I'm going to go up to this guy and I'm going to say, I understand that you're a man who knows how to get things. And I feel like right. his response is going to say a lot about how how right or wrong I am, and it's probably going to happen in a hurry. All right. So the man is strumming on his lute, and he says, "I'm of an explorer of sorts. Of sorts, of course. Speaking in some sort of." weird sing-songy rhyming so not no I'm not the guy you're looking for though I could be the guy you're looking for what are you looking for I'm looking for um, the, the person that I'm supposed to meet and I've already been vague enough um in my opening line, but I feel like that's one of those opening lines that this gentleman might pick up on. So I'm not um, totally sure how to proceed from here. All right. Well, he's kind of vague in his conversation because he's a musician. Um, he's playing a tune. He asks you to maybe slip a, a coin or two into your kit into his case um and he's willing to divulge more information so he's kind of giving you like a wink and a nod that he might be the person 
or he might not be the person, but he wants you to give something up that's valuable in exchange for the information. That's interesting. I don't I don't like that. I think if this was the guy, how much sense does it make to ask for money in exchange for money that I'm already technically owed? I don't like this tactic. I feel like um, I feel like this is step one um, in in a three or four step process that ends with me really getting ripped off here. That might be the case. So do you want to pass on this guy or do you want to keep trying to talk to him? I want to pass on him. All right. So what's your next move? What do you, how do you see yourself uh, proceeding in this situation? Well, my next move is that I, I think I want to go talk to the gentleman up at, up top on the top of the screen. I, I think the gentleman that's close by to the guy I just talked to with the loot and with the vague allusions to, to money, uh, he's, he's too close by. He probably overheard this guy's runaround and, and I, I, I want to avoid, I want to avoid that. So I'm going to, I'd like to go talk to the guy up top. All right. That's so at the north of the screen, it's actually a woman, a blonde haired woman. Well, I don't know. It's the token is maybe hard to tell. It's, it's intended to be a, a female woman. So, um, go ahead and move your screen up to her. To go talk I her. did get a little bit of a powdered wig vibe, which is why I think um, I made the the heinous error of uh, misgendering this person. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, for the listener, I'm using these cartoon tokens. I think the website comes from as like two minute tabletop, and this particular token is like a top, sort of like a slightly top down view. Um, so just, you know, I think it's an honest mistake that could have been made. Thanks for backing me up on that. (laughs) Okay. All right. So you were standing in front of this, uh, blonde lady, um, and she's kind of giving you a look left to right, um, or not looking at you, but she's looking left to her left and to her right, um, kind of has an agitated you know, there's a sense of agitation kind of surrounding her. So, um, Marcus, go ahead and, um, oh, and before you had left that guy, did you leave, have any parting words for the musician? I guess I should have asked you that as well. Once he tells me in no uncertain terms or in uncertain terms, based on what you said, this guy talks like that I can toss two pieces of gold into his, his case and maybe I'll find out more. I just look at him and give him a quick wave of the hand and I kind of turn around on my heels and just say, I'm good. All right. Fair enough. All right. So now you're standing before this woman. So are you approaching her directly? Are you just standing in front of her like your token is? Or are you sneaking around her? Are you cautiously walking towards her? Um, What's the, the feel of Marigold right now? Like his character, what's his body language like and what is he doing he's already had one false start that 
that made him feel a little bit apprehensive. But overall, he, it, with his his background, he he's comfortable with failing with people. He's comfortable bombing in front of people. And so I feel like even though he, he is a little bit like eh, uneasy, he's still approaching this woman in a pretty relaxed manner. All right. So almost as if he's maybe performing a character, would you say? Is he, is not that he's, do you think he's kind of acting in a sense, like his inner dialogue is saying one thing, but his actions are trying to say another since he's an improv or do you think he's just, he's just confident all the way through? I think it's a little bit of a mixture of both. You know what I mean? Like he is an improv guy and, and he's, so he's technically kind of always performing a little bit, but for the most part, I think he's he's just genuinely curious and and confident. Yeah. Okay, so uh, go ahead and I guess give us your opening line. Let us. How do you introduce yourself to this character? Well, you mentioned that her eyes were kind of flitting around. She seems a little bit agitated. That gives me um, some indication that this might be the right person because she's nervous about this money that she has so my goal with this person is to try to put her at ease so I'm just going to come up to her and say you know I'm going to be direct but I'm going to be casual about it I'm going to say something along the lines of you know Good evening, my lady. I hope you're having a pleasant uh, evening. Um, I have a a hunch that you might have something for me, but I say that in a really relaxed and jovial and open-ended manner. She... You know, she sees your guard's uniform and she's a little bit taken aback because uh, Marigold is kind of wearing a a makeshift guard's uniform. And she says, you don't look like the person I've come here to meet. Well, my response to that is, what do you imagine the person that you've come here to meet does look like? She says, um, she imagines a man who's, you know, tall, blonde, wears kind of ostentatious sort of ineffective armor that doesn't really do much, um, boastful about his athletic prowess, but isn't very, um, great at, she's just basically describing Todd, who's an idiot, um, you know, and, uh, just kind of going on and, and continues to go on, like, You've like yes, I, you're like I know all this, and he, she just continues to put this guy down, knowing that he's like not in the vicinity, just sharing facts about him that even you weren't aware of. You know, somebody who might have wet the bed when he was a toddler, and and then continued to wet the bed until he was 15, and his uh, and when he was 18, his mother was still 
reading him bedtime stories to sleep, you know, just sharing weird personal details that you have, you have no need, like you wouldn't need to know, but, but without saying Todd's name in any uncertain terms. So. Tough beat for Todd. Yeah, just revealing dark secrets. Well, my, my response to this endless throttling of, of this man and his reputation as an idiot is to just reassure her that, yeah, I, I know who that person is and I, I, I know him very well. Um, your, your personal negativity towards him aside, though, you do acknowledge that you did come here to give him this money. I, I am acting as his emissary. She says, um, that's understandable, but I'm not willing to give up what I've brought for him unless I see Todd. I need to know he's safe. I need to know he's here with you and you aren't just someone uh, misrepresenting themselves as his, um, as a person for him who's working for him. At this point, I'm convinced that I have the right person because she has done such a thorough job of like being weirdly personal and antagonistic towards this person who is obviously Todd. So at this point, keeping Todd away from this interaction might be doing more harm than good. I'm not sure if he's finished his sketch of the dragon whelp weasel or if the dragon whelp weasel has launched an attack against him bitten him i don't know what's going on with todd but maybe the time has come to get to the bottom of that and to maybe bring him in okay so do you want to go get todd then i don't know why i'm hesitating uh yeah i do Okay, so let's just, you know, fast forward for the listener. Um, You go back to this bush, you get Todd and Armando, and they come over with you to meet this woman. Um, And they, so now you're all standing back where she was at the north end of the screen. And she says, Todd, there you are. I've been looking for you. And Todd, you know, he... He gets a very he gets excited. He, he has a smile like this, like a you know we'd call it like a shitting grin, you know, smiling um, like the thinking, Cheshire hey, Cat. Yeah, thinking this is gonna be a big you know he's finally gonna get some money. He he'll you know have some walking around cash. Some you know a little bit of wham being. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he gets excited and. So you have my money? He asks very rudely, like not like paying any, con- you know, no consideration to her and the the journey she's potentially made. Um, so, you know, he's they're chatting. So, uh, what do you, I guess, make of all this kind of conversation between the two? I guess it depends on what her like what her demeanor changes are like when she sees Todd like you made reference to the fact that she she 
kind of brightens up, at least in recognition. Is that right? Um, I would... Uh, yes, he, she would brighten up a little bit. And Todd's super fired up, but he's excited in that in that dumb guy, directionless kind of way where, as you said, he, he just cuts right to the chase and asks very bluntly and rudely about his money. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, on the one hand, I'm glad that I seem to have found the right person and that even though Todd is a bumbling buffoon socially, we might get out of this interaction with what we came for. But I'm also kind of half-heartedly disgusted um, by the woman's brightening up after she's just given me such a thorough ear-beating in terms of describing Todd and, and his failures. So I would say, despite that, though, I'm still feeling a little bit more positive than I am negatively, but I am conflicted. Okay. So uh, she tells you um, she doesn't have the money like out in the open. She's got it kind of stashed somewhere, and she wants you to follow her to where she's got the money to hand it to. So do you, I guess, do you want to just follow her, or do you want to talk to her a little bit more before you kind of go off with her to get the money? When you say you, you mean Marigold and not Todd, right? Yeah, Todd is eager. He's like ready. He, like he's, he would he definitely, said, in a heartbeat, just go wherever with anyone. Absolutely. Okay. At least if it's money. I mean, he's he. You know, when he was in jail, uh, he got like a lot of his money taken from him, except for this jewelry he wears around. And so, when you broke him out of jail, he, you know, he wasn't able to reclaim any of that, yeah. and he feels uncomfortable. He's not used to to being. Yeah, I mean, granted, his jewelry is worth a few thousand, several thousands of gold pieces, but to him, that's like chump change, you know. For you, it's <laughs> yeah, probably like a years years worth of right hard work. Right. So. I feel like I'm I'm willing to go with this woman to get the money, but first, I need a little bit of reassurance. So, what I'd like to do is I'd like to confirm the agreed upon amount that I'm there to get from her. So I'm, I'm just going to kind of casually throw in like, oh yeah, we can go get it, but however many gold pieces it is, but, but I'm going to throw in a, you know, you got that 50,000, right? And she says 50,000 questioning. She's said she thought it was something closer to you know 15,000 of course she does yeah of course she does yeah again there was some part of me um some part of Marigold that that always knows that something like this can happen with any person or any situation that Todd's involved in so some part of me is not surprised to hear that, 
But we're kind of in dire straits right now. And so I feel like even though we're super light, I mean, we're way short of the agreed upon amount. I, it, I feel like I need to argue with her a little bit more, but ultimately I might have to tuck my tail in between my legs and go home with, with what she's saying she has. I mean, what are my options here? I don't know. You tell me. All right. I'm going to I'm going to push back a little bit and kind of say where did like who told you that amount? That's not correct at all. Uh she tells well she's you know, she works for Dagan. So this woman um she says, you know, According to the trust fund that's been set up, Todd is only allowed a certain amount to be delivered to his person per month. Um, and to release anything more than 25000 in this regards would kind of go against the terms in which the trust fund was set up. So it's supposed to sustain him, allow him to live a comfortable life, but it's not supposed to uh, support him so much that he has no motivation or ambition to actually like go do something. Uh, those are just the terms that have been set up by his parents and Dagan, the accountant. Even though twenty-five thousand is astronomical to you and Armando, who is even poorer than you would have been prior to losing your wealth or your gear, um, that's even a ton to him. It's you know more than some of his relatives have ever made in their entire lives. So, wow. I think uh, there's a couple of different reactions to this. One, even though it is feasible to me that I misheard 15,000 gold pieces as 50,000 gold pieces, that that was just a misunderstanding. I still feel like with such a large sum of money, involved that should always be clarified so i'm all, i'm a little bit miffed and upset about about that to hear that from her and i'm also even though everything you have to say about todd like I, i'm taking it in fully you know this guy's a moron this guy's a trust fund baby who doesn't like couldn't put both of his socks on without like someone telling him how to I do still work for this guy though so I do have a little bit of a sense of loyalty to him in this instance that I kind of didn't expect to have because I don't I, I, I kind of don't like this woman and, and I don't want to let her get off scot-free with with such a like in Todd's estimation a lowball offer as you say this is a oodles of money to someone like me or to someone like Armando but I'm I'm feeling like I need I need to argue all of the points that I just sketched out with her okay so do you is there more that you want to argue with her before you you she leads you off to get the at money? the very least I'm I'm mad about the potential misunderstanding. So if she's saying it's 15, I'm saying I'm going to need at least 20 because there's no misunderstanding there. There's no 1550 
kind of verbal gymnastics that you can hide behind there. Well, she came from out of town, so she's not going to just have more money with her. She would have to leave town to go get it and come back. But she's more than willing to, I guess, hand over a small purse of money on her that uh, just to kind of verify, you know, that she's not full of it. She tells you she's holding just a small amount to give you just so you know she's on the level. And she hands you a, a very a weighty bag she hands it over to you and um allows you to kind of look into it and she hands you the bag or rather she doesn't hand it to you she hands it to todd uh because it's his money and he's the one that kind of gives you your pay and he he seems perfectly content with what he sees you know he's excited he's pulling out coins and he's counting and he like an idiot it counts out like 500 gold pieces and like out in the middle of this park and it sort of catches the attention of some of these other people who are sort of curious as to what is going on and they're kind of moving your way to kind of see what might be happening between this group of people and todd's making these excited almost animal-like just embarrassing like noises like snorts like <laughs> you know just totally not cool at all despite how handsome he is he's making these really unattractive uh like snorting and excited noises so and you made reference to the fact that people are closing in on him correct like todd is has picked in true todd fashion the, the worst time to flaunt his wealth, the worst time to try to floss and just get excited and lose control of himself. Correct. Well, unfortunately, I wish I could say that this was a new situation for me and Todd and Armando, but it's not. And... I feel at least partially responsible for it since I was led down the path toward believing that bringing Todd into the fold, even while acknowledging the risks, might be the way forward here. So I, I, I guess I'm kind of having one of those here we go again moments like in a bad action movie and, and I'm kind of stealing myself for for a conflict here okay so are you you're gonna follow her to the where the stuff is I I, I feel like it's kind of the stance I'm being forced to take right now um, and, and that that is my goal even though I'm skeptical that I'm gonna be that I'm going to get out of here without conflict because these people are, are closing in on me for some reason. So I'm like a, I'm like a rat in a cage. That's how I'm feeling right now. But yes, I, I do follow her and I'm at this point, I'm still holding out hope that this could have a happy ending and that she will be true to her word and and we can renegotiate a higher price but right now i'm 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 dismayed and, and i'm 
semi-ready to cut my losses here. Okay. So she's going to lead you. She leads you kind of over here, and the party follows. Um, she, for the listener, she leads them north, uh, east of the map. Um, and she, you hear some kind of footsteps in the... Well, you hear a noise, I would say, kind of in the wooded area. So can I have you roll? You're going to roll what is called perception. And for perception, um, that is just a uh, wisdom. So you're just going to roll your d20 and then add the wisdom modifier, which is whatever's in the parentheses. And you're going to roll for a target of 10. So it's just a normal target. I have rolled a nine. All right, so you just hear some noises. You don't detect anything that would uh, kind of cause you to be alarmed in any sort of way. It might sounds just like maybe an animal or something. Um, so she leads you over there, and she, you notice when you get to where she's led you that there's no money over there. Um, in fact, it's uh, you find yourself suddenly surrounded by... Some of the town guard and I have to find where those tokens are okay so uh some of the town's guardsmen two to be exact uh they kind of move out of the bushes to uh to route you so you've been you've been ambushed um however the appearance of the town guards has caused these other people in the park to become alarmed and they end up fleeing out of the park um not wanting to to, you know, uh, be in the midst of uh, whatever's about to take place. So do you see yourself engaging with these guardsmen or how do you, or do you want to try to flee? How do you proceed? I feel like it's clear that you're there to witness and do something about this particular interaction. Otherwise, why would they have been hidden i feel like they're like the the jig is up for us in in that sense um and i'm not really feeling like I'm, i'm i'm in a solid fighting conflict mindset i've been hoodwinked by this woman that i so confidently strode up to and it's kind of like a death by a thousand paper cuts feeling that I'm having right now where I'm just sick. I'm sick of, I'm sick of all of it. So I'm going to try to flee. I'm definitely going to try to flee and, and see if I can escape this. Cause th- there's no good outcome here. Probably. All right. So, um, you know, they're not going to just let you run away. So you, want to create some sort of distraction I guess to get out of this I guess it depends on how much I care about myself and and Armando's well-being versus how much I care how unscathed or not Todd gets in this situation so um, I'm gonna I, I, I am going to heed your suggestion, though, and try a distraction. I'm going to do some version of 
like the old bouncer move at like a rowdy rock and roll concert or something. And I'm, I'm going to walk up to the guards and I'm going to try to say something really confusing and just a non sequitur to get them to pause and say, wait, what? Like, I'm going to ask them, I don't know, if they're double parked or something or, or, or if their horses um, eat vegetables. Just something completely out of left field that might give me a moment's time to to make my escape and and i'm hoping in this instance that armando and todd pick up on what i'm going for here okay so go ahead, and move your, go ahead and move your character towards one of the guards okay so you're going to move your character to the guard he's the guard to the i guess He's to the left. On the, he's on the left of the screen, but for the woman on the screen, he's at the northeast. He's to the right of her body. So, go ahead and roll a persuasion check, which would be just d20 plus charisma. Oh, and you're rolling a. You're gonna roll a hard. A thirteen. I'm not sure I'm doing this correctly. You said I need to roll a d20, but then in addition to that, what was the instruction? You have to add, there's a number, it'll be in parentheses under charisma. So if you look at your character sheet, which I'm gonna pull in front of me right now, yep. you have these uh, six stats, strength, dexterity, right. constitution, intelligence. Okay, so you'll see a number, it says 10. Just ignore yeah. that number, it's not important. You want your, What you're concerned about is that number that says plus zero. So you would add that to your roll on the d20, typically. Um, and as that your stats increase, then your, mod, your modifier would increase as well over time. Understood. Thank you for clarifying. So I have rolled an 11. All right, so the guard, um, he doesn't he doesn't fall for your trick. He places a, his hand kind of around your bicep looking to grab you and to kind of maybe spin you around and put you in shackles or cuffs or whatever um, he would normally do. But Armando and Todd uh, start to flee. Todd's dumb, but he... Um, lived to tweet another day is a motto he if he lived <laughs> if he lived in the 21st century would maybe live by and they start to run off um, Todd taking Armando taking Armando taking the lead and Todd following so so you're he, this guy is grabbing you are you gonna struggle against him I think I think I have to do my due diligence and struggle with him physically at least a little bit before I try to talk my way out of it. Um, so yes, I, I am going to put up a struggle. I, I'm thinking um, he's grabbing one of my biceps that does leave um, I'm free to possibly grab 
I don't know, some of these dry leaves and and violently try to shove them into his eye to, to really upset his vision. And maybe buy me a couple of seconds to, to go off in Todd and Armando's direction. Okay, so we're going to just do a basic strength check, I would say, because you're kind of wrestling free of them, and at the same time, you're also... Uh, which is going to require strength, and then... Actually, let's do... Yeah, it'll be strength. Uh, so you're just going to roll your d20. You're going to add plus two strength, and another plus two for using the scenery. So for so it'll be d20 plus four total. And you, and since I would say this guy isn't grabbing you, he's only got you by one arm currently. I'm gonna say the target is probably easy, an easy escape. If you were doing going to all that trouble, you could probably get out of his uh, grasp. Yeah. So I've rolled a 16 plus two plus two is 20. 20. Yes. Okay. I was turning the timer off. I have a timer to kind of keep pace. We're nearing the end here. So, okay. So you break free. The guy falls on his butt. He falls down um, and kind of backwards and stumbles and rolls into a bush. And you are now um, free to, I guess, flee from him. But this guy is kind of coming, coming your way as well. So are you going to try to make a run for it, or are you going to try to um, fight the guy that is not currently um, on the ground? I'm feeling great that I got out of the first guy's grasp, but I think if there's one thing that has been tantamount about how this situation has unfolded, it it is this. It is never get too cocky. And, and never be too cocksure with how um, awesome you may think your abilities are. You know, Marigold's forgotten a couple of times in this situation and the way that these events have unfolded that he is a failed improv guy. Like, he's just let that fact fall by the wayside. So I'm not going to try to fight this guy. I'm going to... I'm going to try to use my momentum my forward momentum and I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to flee okay so are you going to jump so it looks like you're at like a higher elevation are you going to try to jump down from there and flee or are you going to run around some way how do you see yourself going by because um, I'm, I'm just curious the terrain's not great but it is dry, so I'm gonna try to make a beeline for where Todd and Armando went. I'm gonna jump down in, into that opening, and, and I'm just I'm just gonna try to parkour my way out. Okay. Um, so that's gonna be like an. I want you to make an acrobatics check. So that's just dexterity. So you will roll your d20, and you will add uh, dexterity to see if you are able to, I guess, do these park, these cool parkour moves um, to pass this guy and um, toward out out of the park. Okay. 
have rolled a 17. seeing a plus one for dexterity is that right so that um that's more than enough you're able to parkour your way um past the guard and you're you and the rest of the crew um have made your escape from the park and away from the guards um that were trying to ambush you so that's it um you've just played your first session of D&D. Wow, just as quickly as it started, it ended just as fast. So before we I let you go, um, we I have a it's kind of a newer thing that we started doing where there's a store that you're allowed to make purchases or decisions for the next player. So um, if I could have you go to that links for new guests, I believe I pasted a link. Um, it's just called Podcast Store, if I could have you open that up. Looking now. Okay, clicking. All right. Okay. So, um, there's the store. You don't really have any gold right now, but one thing you you can do currently in your position is you can sell equipment that you have for half of what it's worth so if you were to click weapons and you see there's a long sword um you know you could sell your long sword for it's 15 gold pieces to buy you could sell it for seven or if you had armor you could uh, sell your armor for half that and then use that to buy items or you could hold on to the items you currently have you can also choose the martial role for the next player to use, which we never talked about. I kind of left it out of the conversation just to not kind of, you know, throw too much at too much at at you um, this first mm-hmm. session. So, so, so if you want to go ahead and look through the store, um, you can make a decision for the next player. You could sell things, buy things, and then just choose or choose a martial role for them, which is free, a free action. Um, you just to back up to to our gameplay. Am I? I guess I missed a detail here because did we get away with at least the gold coins that the woman did have on her person and, and that Todd was ex- excitedly snorting about, or or did he somehow manage to lose that as well? No, you got away with. Uh, 500 gold pieces, but Todd hasn't like divvied up the money with you or anything as of yet. So and it wasn't a significant amount. I mean, 500 is a lot for people like you, but it wasn't it wasn't the amount you were expecting. Got it. Got it. Um. Yeah, I'm not really sure what to do uh, with the the store element for for the next player. Um, I think. I uh, describe what what was the the marshal? What was that description again? So on your character sheet, that there is a section that says martial role, and then underneath it will be attacker, defender, second wind, improved critical. These are 
an additional ability that the next person can use if they were to get, uh, I guess, a combat situation more than anything. And you can pick what you think is best for them. Um, I didn't really go into detail about it in our session just because I didn't want to, um, since you've never played the game before, start overwhelming you with like all these yeah. different little little things. I think based on just those tertiary descriptions, I would, I'd like to go towards improved critical. Okay. All right, so I'm just going to mark that, and the next person who plays will have uh, that as their initial role. Understood. Then, um, Marcus, before I let you go, do you want to, I guess, plug your podcast one more time? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, again, we are haven't seen it, a weekly movie podcast. You can find us on Spotify by typing haven't seen it into the search bar and by going to haven't seen it pod.podbean.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at HSIPod. Um, and haven't seen it on Facebook, give us a follow, like, comment, any feedback is always appreciated, and thanks to everyone who listens. Thank you.